Hello friends, welcome to the show. My name is Tom Broback and I'm on a mission to help high school coaches keep their athletes happy and healthy. I loved playing sports growing up. From backyard football to traveling basketball to high school track and field, there was nothing better than being on a team and playing to win a game. Unfortunately, I struggled with health issues and I know your athletes do too. This inspired me to become a physical therapist and sports performance coach. This podcast will help coaches like you learn how to keep your athletes off the bench and in the game. Do you struggle with working out consistently? Do you struggle with your athletes getting the best information in sports performance? Today, we talk with MBSC coach Vinny Toludo on how to be consistent and productive with working out. Vinny runs personal training and strength training sessions at MBSC in Boston. I love his mindset when it comes to improving as a coach and I hope you enjoy this conversation with him. So we have two locations. My first part of my day is in Woburn, okay. which is at our main location. And then um, I get a little like reset because I have to drive to the second location, which is about 20 minutes away. Yeah. And that's where I kind of shift hats. I go from being a personal trainer to a strength coach for the kids in the okay. afternoon. So yeah. it's kind of my, it's like a break in my day, which is awesome. That is kind of nice too. Um, I think sometimes whether you are like a coach like you or, or a therapist, like you try to, you try to work and then you eat and you work out and read and then like you're like, you try to do everything in the same spot. You have the same, and it's like, it's nice to have that actual like physical disconnect and then kind of restart um, um absolutely yeah yeah that's, that's where i get like my podcast my my um audibles in my reading all that stuff nice. too which is good are you so i used to be huge on audible like i would read or listen to like like a book only takes like a week because mm-hmm. it's just like with all the driving and then lately i've been doing i've been listening to so many podcasts and it's funny people like say like oh I read like thirty books this year or whatever and it's like well I read like maybe like five books last mm-hmm. year but I listened to a ton of podcasts. Have you listened to more kind of podcasts or 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 books lately? Have you noticed like a a percentage either way? I'm starting to shift more towards podcasts because I used to be that person who would brag about how many books I read in a year, yeah. right? Yep. And <laughs> Me too, like, right? Well, how much did you actually retain? It's like right. uh, not much. So. I've been, what I do now is, and Mike does this, um, he goes on Twitter and kind of like favorites or hearts podcasts that he wants to listen to. Mm. And that's how I go about it. So I don't really have like a podcast that I listen to besides strength coach. Um, but I'll, I'll find ones that like are going through like the coach's Twitter feed and, um, start clicking on those. There's a few podcasts where I'll listen to like certain sections and before I'd like, Oh, if I start one, I gotta listen to the whole thing. And it's like, there's it's, and maybe that's a personality thing. It's like, it's okay if you listen to 20 minutes of podcasts and like get the information you want and then like move on and listen to another one. You don't have to, especially if you're listening to like some of those longer ones, like, like obviously like Joe Rogan, it's like, you don't need the full four hours. You <laughs> yeah, listen yeah. to an hour, enjoy it. And then like, maybe Go listen to something else. The uh, first like 30 minutes are all plug-in sponsors and stuff <laughs> too. I'm like, all right, get me to like the good stuff. Do you struggle with um, listening to 
podcast for pleasure and then podcast for work-related stuff? I don't usually listen for pleasure. That's okay. My wife always yells at me for this. She's like, you're always strength and conditioning always like, yeah. um, but that's what I like. And that's what I like to like. I'm always trying to get better and listen to things that interest me, which is it's all strength and conditioning. I listen to a couple like sports podcasts. Um, and that's my considered pleasure. But I'm always pleasure. thinking, yeah. I'm always thinking of like from uh, like either PT or strength conditioning. Ass. It's like okay, like how does this apply to? Um, totally. But no, sometimes it's so. Then how do you disconnect from work if a lot of your uh, mental energy is put into le- uh, learning, reading, listening to work, and then you're you're working a lot? Yeah. Totally. How do you how do you disconnect from work then? Well, so. I'm my wife and I both come from like huge Italian families. So I can, I can tell. <laughs> so, um, we, we spend a lot of time with family and nice. we will get together. We have a lot of cousins who are in the area, brothers, sisters. Um, so when we're all together, you know, we just have fun and we hang out, um, cornhole. We get really competitive. My, my, uh, my wife is a former professional soccer player. So we're always battling whether it's, you know, ping pong, cornhole, all that stuff. We like to have some fun. My family, we just went on vacation down to Arizona and we met one of my brother's friends is a physical therapist in the, I think it's the San Francisco Giants minor league system. And they met us for dinner and I heard them talking about internal rotation, external rotation. And I just shout across the table, like no PT talk. (laughs) And they both started laughing and I'm like, we're on vacation. Like we got to get a, it's because my brother's a PT mm-hmm. and then he, he met his uh, girlfriend in PT school. So, and then my, uh, my sister-in-law's PT and uh, there's a lot of people in my family that are in like healthcare related stuff. So it's so easy to talk about work when we are a family, but it is, I have learned in the last year, it's okay to disconnect and not always have to talk about work or, or work related things. Like it's okay to disconnect because it's going to make those work related things a lot better. You're going to have more energy more focus, more determination. If you spend all Sunday with your family doing fun stuff mm-hmm. and then come back ready to work on Monday, there is time to do that. You don't have to talk and think about work 24 seven through 65 to be successful at your job. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I have the total opposite though, Tom, my family, like no one listens to me and my family. <laughs> <laughs> my brother is my dad. They, you know, I've been working out my whole life. You don't think I know. I'm like, okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> do they, do they like know like where you work? Like, do they understand like this is. <laughs> I, they, they've come to the gym and they're like, whoa, this place is awesome. But yeah. I trained my mom for a little bit and she was like my hardest client. <laughs> I'm like, come on, you just listen to me. I'm not going to hurt you. I promise. No, no. I've, so, so what got you interested in the whole strength and conditioning world? Like if you didn't have that family aspect, mm-hmm. you didn't learn it from a sibling or a dad or whatever, what, what did initially get you interested? Well, so a couple things, I think, um, I grew up playing sports like baseball, football, track, and I, I loved anything sports related. And my senior year, in high school, I was dealing with um, a lot of ankle sprains and um, just couldn't get healthy. So I spent a lot of time in our athletic training department and worked the athletic trainers. And they were, you know, taping ankles and talking about injuries. It kind of really sparked my interest. And when I went to college, I went to UMass Lowell and 
got to shadow the strength coach who at the time was Devin McConnell. And I don't, I'm not sure if you're familiar with De- uh, Devin. Yeah, but yeah, 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 so yeah. he's at Phoenix Coyotes now, but he worked at Boyles. And he was like, you know, Vin, I think, I think you'd really enjoy doing an internship at MBSC. And that was my junior year in college. I was studying exercise physiology, minor in nutrition, sports psychology. Um, and then once I interned here my senior year, I was like, this is, this is the place. And I've, I've been here since. So that was 2014. I've heard Mike tell some stories about Devin on different podcasts where he was like in college and he was running the strength program for and he was on a hockey team. Mm-hmm. He was running it for his teammates and he wanted, and, and it seemed like he was willing to do whatever it took to, to advance and to get into this career. And a lot of coaches have to do that because for a long time, this career, uh, the strength conditioning field has been involving where it's now seen as a more of a, a full-time livable job, uh, um, it, it's getting more respect, more more notice, more respect from the, the average person, from coaches, athletes, uh, people that run teams. Um, and it seems like with your history and your background, you have done a lot to do everything you can to be the best coach you can, whether you're doing personal training, whether you're learning about nutrition, whether you're doing different internships. Mm-hmm. How did you, did you just always have that mindset or did you, did someone have to tell you like, hey, this is going to be hard. This is what it takes, but you're going to be really rewarded because you're going to really love what you do. I think it really got brought to the forefront of, for me was when I started here and you know, it's like that cliche, like saying like you're the average of the five people you surround yourself with when the five people you're surrounded with is like Mike Boyle, Kevin Carr, you know, Brendan Rarick, all these like great coaches. And you're like, wow, like I want to be like that. Mm-hmm. And I've always had that like white belt mentality of, you know, I'm here to learn. I'll, I don't mind. I, like I never care to like look stupid or ask the question because if I don't know something, like I want to, I want to know why and constantly asking for feedback. And I think it just, it, it, it kind of grew that way um, because that's the culture that we have at MBSC. Mm-hmm. We're all, we're all on the same team and we're always trying to improve our communication skills our, our coaching skills, all that stuff is kind of embedded into our system. And then the more like I coach, like I worked with people, the more I saw my gaps, which brought me to learning more about nutrition and how to help people change and what got people to change or got them to understand why they did what they were doing and start to peel back some more layers. When I first started working out outside of college, well, I started working out when I was like late middle school, then all through high school and then through college. But when I got out of college, I was like, all right, I have more free time now. I'm going to start working out more because I want to feel better. I want to look better um, and be better at all these things. And I started working on a lot more and a lot of things didn't change. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Tom, you need to eat better. Like you need to sleep better. You need to take care of your mental health. Like more working out isn't leading to the results that you want. Like there's more to it as much as you like playing basketball or going outside or going to the gym, whatever it might be. Um, but it's hard when you don't have the nutrition background to know where to start. It's like, okay, I know I should eat less ice cream and more vegetables, 
but I hate vegetables and I love ice cream and I don't even know how to balance it. If like not having ice cream ever doesn't work and eating vegetables at every meal doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And, and for my brain, it's like, there's no in between and I can't <laughs> commit to one. So I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. When was your experience changed when it's like, I need to learn more about nutrition, whether it was like a personal thing or the people that you're working with is like, this is gap. I really need to fill. Well, I found like when I was, when I was dealing with clients, we would have these conversations over and over again about like being on and off the wagon. And you know, I, I call it like the pause button mentality of either I have to eat vegetables 24 seven or I'm off the wagon. And, and I was like, it can't, it can't be, it doesn't have to be like this. And how do I communicate that? Or how do I get them to realize that? And our job as coaches and as therapists, like, People drop like their bags of problems on our desk and they expect Mm -hmm. us to fix it all. But it was, it was really when I started like taking precision nutrition and they weren't, they were trying to get people to see it for themselves versus Mm -hmm. us have to be the expert. Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's, it's a lot of the active listening stuff because our clients know their lives better than we do. They know what they struggle with or what they need to work on. So as long as you can keep asking the right types of questions, and nudging the conversation where you want it to go, they'll draw the air answers out of them out themselves. And that's really what I, like a lot of it, the stuff that I do from a nutrition side is get them to the breakdown, like that outcome goal to behaviors and to mm-hmm. the skills that they're trying to develop. And then how do we make it easier for them? It's nice that you break that down into steps. I think a lot of us, we set a goal, mm-hmm. whether like if you're an adult, typically it's, hey, I want to lose 10 pounds or I want to gain 10 pounds of muscle or I want to run a mile in this amount of time or I want to bench press this amount. If you're an athlete, it's like, I want to make the varsity team. I want D1 scholarship. Like they want the outcome driven goal, mm-hmm. but they don't break down all the steps to get there. And if you do that, you realize, wow, this is way more time than I thought. This is uh, these are the steps and I know I'm not hitting those steps. Like let's figure out why kind of breaking it down step by step. I think a lot of people, I think they can do it, but I think it's, it's hard because they know this is, this is when I lay it out, it's like, this doesn't match my reality right now. And I need to change in order to hit that. So it seems like you do a good job of here's where we're headed, but like, here's the steps along the way. Why aren't we hitting those steps? And what can I do to help you do that? Yeah. And I think that most clients have never taken the time to like, like I'll bring a whiteboard or a piece of paper out and it's like, okay, if you want to lose, like, what is, what is the person who's 30 pounds or 10 pounds lighter than you doing that you're not currently doing? Right. And Mm -hmm. what are the consistent behaviors of someone who's has more muscle or leaner than you, you know, and then we'll jot down train three to four days at MBSC increase, like had more protein sleep seven to eight hours. But like, even that's not enough. You, you, like, what are the skills provided for that? They meal prep. They, they plan ahead of like, what does their day look like? What's their sleep routine? So what do we do today? You know, I want them to start like thinking of these things mm-hmm. ahead of time. Do you do that all in the first like session or meeting or week? Or is that kind of dripped in over time? It's dripped. It's definitely dripped into because no. I, I want to get to know them a little bit more. I don't want to just hammer them like all this information. Mm-hmm. But if we keep like starting to like poke and have these conversations, then it, it starts to get more like funneled into, okay, here's what you need to start doing. 
whenever I have like a typically like a mom, she comes in, she has three kids, she works full time. Uh, she has all her social events and she's really trying to take care of her health. And before I'd be like, yeah, you got to do these every day. Like takes you a half hour. Like, it, like it's a priority. You'll make it work. Mm-hmm. And then you, you come along and it's like, all right, she doesn't have a half hour every day. Right. Like she is <laughs> like, Tom, you can barely take care of yourself. She's got three <laughs> other humans. She has to keep alive. Right. And like, that's helpful. But we all know like moms do better job than dads. Right. So then, and she's working full time. It's like you work full time and you barely have time to work out. How do you think like she's coping that? And it's like, okay. And we're trying to be consistent over the long term. If your pain goes away in a week, great. But if it comes back next month, that doesn't really help. Uh, from therapy perspective, it's like, I want you to do all this stuff, create some new habits. So then in a year, you, you don't have to come back. Like, I don't want to, like, I like you, but I don't want to have to see you. <laughs> right. And, and then it's like, okay, maybe we do two or three times a week. And maybe it's only 15 minutes at a time. And all the stuff you have is at home. And if you have questions, you can email me and we can kind of continue that way and making it more like, here's the perfect prescription we learned in school. And now like, here's reality. And how do we like shape that? And I think a lot of therapists and coaches struggle with that because uh, we're such good learners. It's like Mm -hmm. we did well in school. Like we were passionate about school, learn, learn, learn. Like here's the right way. Here's the best way. And then reality hits. It's like, whoa, like how do I adjust my thinking? Because what I'm doing, it's not sticking. I have to adapt. Like the, the population is not going to adapt. Like I have to adapt. Did you have any of those struggles when you started on as coach where what you learned and what you prescribed started to be different and you had to change your mindset over that? Absolutely. And I think everything you just explained is just really good coaching. It's, it's tailoring to the person in front of you versus what the textbook tells you. And that was kind of like the biggest game changer for me. So like, okay, we have like the perfect diet or the perfect, you know, rehab program. But then it's like, okay, with a mom who has three kids and doesn't have all that time, how do you coach that person? You know? And I think a huge um, valuable tool for me was just confidence rulers and asking people, you know, on a scale of zero to 10, like Mm. how much do you think, like how, where would you put it? Give me a number of how confident you are that you could continue to do this or not do this. And if it's a five, okay, what, 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 would, what do we have to do to make that a seven or an eight, you know, and then they're giving you more things that they're roadblocks or barriers that they're going to encounter. So then you can start to manipulate the conversation that way too. Um, so that's kind of how I, I go about dealing with like the, the uh, barriers or, or uh, problems. I like that confidence ruler. I haven't really used that a lot, but I can see it's super valuable, especially in follow-up visits. It's like, all right, here's the initial plan, some ups, some downs. Uh, We got away from things for a bit. Now we're back to it. And then how do you see things going forward? And their confidence might go up and it might go down. And how do we adjust to that? I think I might start using that more in order to get some insight into how they feel because I know how I feel with programs. Like, totally. Oh, this is going to help. Like it's going to go, it's going to go great. Right. And, and for them, it's, it's not only is the confidence in the program, but how is their confidence with me? Like, do they trust me that I'm going to help them get better, get them towards their goals? Um, so do you use that in, in like different markers throughout the journey or is that more kind of on the initial end and then kind of goes away? No. Yeah. Like you said, like it's constant follow-ups like, Hey, mm-hmm. how, how did your, how'd your week go this past week? You know, how confident are you going forward 
that we can imp- keep implementing this strategy or should we add some more things? And I'm just always looking for more feedback on their end. And I'm always trying to ask open-ended questions so they can provide me with more detailed answers. You know, as a coach, it's really hard to make time for your spell or for yourself, excuse me, especially uh, the working out part. You're around the gym the whole day. Sometimes it's like last thing I want to do is think about the gym. I just want to go home. Absolutely. Uh, the, this past three months, I just made a goal. I'm going to work out every Monday and Friday. And I hit that every week. There's two weeks I was out of town on Fridays, so I didn't. But every other time I hit it. And before I'd be like twice a week, that is not enough, Tom. Like you are shooting way too low. Like let's do five times a week, six times a week. And I would never be consistent with that. I would never hit that for even a month, much less like a three-month stretch. How do you make time and make an effort and plan for you to be consistent, taking care of your physical health, being a coach? So I have... And I definitely have struggled with that because when I was younger, I would, I train anyone, anytime, any day. And, um, now with my schedule kind of set in stone where I've been training people for five years, um, which is awesome, but I have blocked off times twice a week where I know at 1230, I need to work out on Mondays and Wednesdays. And what I've been doing on Tuesdays and Thursdays is with one of my clients, I condition with them. So now I'm getting, you know, the last, you could, I I would always like, I don't like when trainers work out with their clients, but bike sprints, like that builds rapport because it sucks. (laughs) And you know, you're going through it with them. Uh, So Tuesdays and Thursdays, I have a group of uh, ladies that I always condition with and we're doing Tabatas on the bike, 10, 20s, 2010s, but it forces me to do it. And if I ever don't, they like give me shit <laughs> for skipping out on it. But that's kind of how a, that's how I do it. It's a great accountability piece because you don't want to let your your client down, right? Like you are their coach. You say these things are important, mm-hmm. and if you show up, you're like, hey, I don't want to do it today, <laughs> or I'm not feeling it. Those are the things they tell you, so that's you can't right. really say it back to them, right? Like they're holding you accountable for what you're trying. It's it's for what you're trying to hold them accountable for. So I like that you do incorporate that. And yeah, there's, there's so much to uh, going through, like suffering through things with a group or with another person or with a team, like go suffer through together. And that builds so much uh, camaraderie, teamwork, chemistry, whatever word you want to use with that. Um, She picked, unfortunately, no one likes conditioning, but it is a necessary (laughs) evil to keep us. I can never get myself to do conditioning on my own. So having it be part of a group that makes it a lot easier. But I think another thing too, to touch on with that is like, as you get older and you're in this industry for a while, like your views of workouts change. So when I I first started, I had, you know, hours. So I'd have like two and a half hours of workouts and, you know, I would take my time and do all these like rest sets, like crush myself. So now it's like, Hey, I have 30 minutes, 45 minutes. What are my bank for my bucks exercises that I'm going to do? And then that's what I do. What are a few things that you look back on? It's like, wow, I can't believe I would do that volume or that exercise or that uh, periodization. For like, what are some things you're like, oh, I'm glad I'm out of that yeah. in particular? I mean, I definitely dodged a lot of bullets just being in the MBSC program. I never did like, yeah. stupid, like I never back squatted or did like any crazy leg day exercises, but um 
I would definitely, when I was younger, I would hit trap bar, like five sets of five, mm. trying to like get bigger, like German volume training. I tried it all. Like I would read stuff on yeah. T nation. Um, but yeah, now I'm like, if I can get one heavy set in perfect. That's good. That's good. Um, Going back to MBSC, I have been in several situations where I tried starting to work at a gym and I wanted to implement my philosophy on them. And that obviously doesn't work because I don't own the gym. That's, that's just not going to happen. Like a, a whole, like an overhaul, right? Um, but when you join a gym with a, I would say unique, but uh, very favorable, in my opinion, training philosophy, mentality, you kind of have to fit their mold. Otherwise, it's not going to work out. Mm-hmm. And if, if you disagree with it, totally fine. Mm-hmm. But that means you got to go find somewhere that agrees with it or start your own thing. How has that been for you developing a philosophy within this overall structure of this is kind of how we do things or some wiggle room, but this is kind of the way we have to do things here? So I would say like for me, we do like such a great job explaining the why behind our programming and why we're doing what we're doing. So you need to learn the box before you start thinking outside the box and having guys like Mike and Kevin and being like, Hey, well, what about this way? Or have you ever thought, have we ever thought about it this way? They can say, you know, Mike's got 30 years of experience. He's like, we don't do this because I tried it and, and it didn't work. So having like Mike be the buffer of like, if, you know, I've done that. And it was, it wasn't successful. It was good in theory, but bad in practice. And we're not kind of, and we're not, um, and it's not like we're not trying to implement new things or try new things with our groups and our athletes, but we know that our program is the best program because we're willing to try new things, but if it doesn't fit the mold, then we're not going to do it. It's amazing how much of wisdom is not so much what to do, but probably what not to do. Absolutely. And it's because they, they, and I've found this too. I talked to um, kind of veteran coaches or therapists. It's like, oh, like we should do it this way. They're like, yeah, we did that in the nineties and <laughs> these are the results. And it's like, oh, and it's like, I don't know the history of this as well as I should. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know that. And it was good in theory. Right. And then it was implemented maybe in a slightly different way, but now it's not working. And it's nice to avoid having to spend one, two, even three years making those mistakes to learn the hard way. Hey, programming, uh, conditioning at the beginning of the workout, like doesn't work because of X, Y, Z. Hey, having kids come in six times a week at 6 a.m. doesn't work uh, because the workouts are awful or, or things like that, right? So it's 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 not having to make the same mistakes that they did right and i think it's easy to say it's hard to do because it's like i know you tried it but let's try it my way it's like better right and like no it's the same thing like just just trust that but it, and, and it goes back to and i've always been huge uh find a mentor learn from them do the best you can like help them out when you can and i don't think you can ever have you probably can have two main mentors but always try to find like the next mentor of where you're trying to go and it seems like that was built in for you and, and it's worked out in the regards that you can get help when you need it, but you can also learn and grow within that framework to be the best coach that you can. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, 
you have Mike who's at the top, but then there's also like lower, like there's layers to the coaches and you get that from when you start, you have the guys who've been here for two to three years. And then there's guys that have been there for five to seven. So you can kind of see that natural progression of, of coaches. So it's kind of a, a good stra- uh, way for you to path for you to follow. One struggle with coaches is when they're trying to learn and implement is is balancing continuing education with actually coaching and and implementing with athletes. It's really easy to sign up for eight or nine courses, go to all of them, have all these great ideas. It's another thing to see productive change with the people that you're working with. How do you balance uh, your continuing education with learning, with implementing, with with trying new things, but also developing your philosophy as a coach we i put a big emphasis early on in my career of continuing education you know we 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 get allotted 500 dollars for um courses a year which is great but also being at mbsc we're spoiled because we're constantly bringing in speakers you know having weekly staff meetings with mike so we get to see mike present you know every single week and that kind of helped shape me as a young coach, but now it's, it's less on courses more on, okay, is there one or two things that I can take away from a presentation or uh, a seminar that what's going to help make my coaching and my philosophy a little bit better. Do you give any seminars or presentations? Like, have you done that uh, professionally at all? Yeah. So we, we just did our winter seminar. Um, so I was one of the guest speakers there and I'm actually working on a course for CFSC right now that we're going to be rolling out within the next couple months on uh, behavior change and fat loss. So I'm excited about that. Nice. And for those of that don't know what CFSC is, can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. So CFSC is certified functional strength coach, which is our uh, certification, um, from through MBSC where we go around and we train other coaches about the MBSC progression and regression system and um, how we train our adults in level one. And then level two is how we program for and train all of our athletes. How did you get involved in that? Was that something when you started, it was like, Hey, this is a great idea. Like, and you asked, or is it something they approached you with? Like, how did that get rolling? So the way we do it at MBSC is, you know, it's kind of a, um, a reward for doing a great job as if you've been here for three or four years, you become one of the educators for um, the CFSC. So I've been doing that for the past three, four years. Nice. Nice. I think it's, it's so helpful. I'm putting together a presentation right now and it's amazing. Putting your thoughts on paper makes you like, wow, do I actually believe this? Like, do I actually use this? It's like, Oh, like this is, like this balance progression is great, but I never use it with any of my patients. Like, is this mm-hmm. something I should talk about? Because in theory, it sounds better than in reality. And it makes you really uh, refine what your philosophies are, what your goals are, how you how you coach, how you interact, um, what kind of things you actually do in life. And it's really hard. It's really hard yeah, to put yourself out there and be vulnerable. And especially when you know, five years in, like that's a, that's a pretty good coaching career, but there's other coaches have been, you know, 10, 20, 30 years. And it's like, what do I have to offer that mm-hmm. they haven't seen? And, and 
to have that confidence. It's not the easiest thing to do, but it seems like you found a way to develop that, to grow into that. And I'm sure it's helped tremendously um, with you both personally and professionally. Just being around really good speakers has helped me, Mm -hmm. you know, what's their format? How do they, you know, do they tell jokes? Do they tell stories? They find a way to like not make it seem like they're just trying to read a script. And Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing when it comes to presenting and giving um, lectures is who's your target audience and what is, what's in it for them. As opposed to when people make their presentations, it's always like, okay, this is how much I know. This is what, this is what I want to get off. But it's like, okay, what about, what about them? What's in it for them? Do you get nervous when you speak in public? I do. Yeah. Um, but I don't view it as a bad thing. It's, you know, I want, I'm excited and I want to channel that all the nerves into doing a great job. And I'm a, I'm a high energy person. So it kind of, it usually nerves to my, to my uh, benefit. Okay. Is that similar to what you got experiencing like before a sporting event, like a game or a totally. tournament, like that same, that butterfly and yeah, you get, you kind of just want to get going. And yes. once you, 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 that first minute or two goes away and you kind of get into your, your flow state. Do you have advice for coaches that struggle with taking that energy and putting it into production and not let it override the system and have that nervous like breakdown or freak out or, or even they abstain from public speaking because they're so nervous mm-hmm. about it. it? It's reps. It, it, it's, mm-hmm. You're nervous because you don't do it. And mm-hmm. it's, it's like coaching when you're, when you're coaching a big group or you're in front of people what do you need? Like you need energy. You need to be someone that's, you know, comes off as confident. So if you can, if you're a coach or a therapist, you public speak every single day, but now you have to, you know, you have to do it in front of a hundred people or 50 people or whatever you're doing, but you're talking one-on-one with all of them. So if you can have that mindset shift, then you'll, Mm -hmm. you'll come off more confident. And I've helped, I've hired, I've hired coaches so I've worked with Jenny Rarick, who's a phenomenal um, public mm-hmm. speaking coach. I've gone to Tom Plummer's speaker school, and when I went, I was not good, and he had not he ripped me apart. And uh, it was all it was all to make you better. So it's all good feedback. I had Jenny on the podcast before, and at first when I saw her stuff, I'm like, oh, this is cool, interesting, but I I don't. Like, I'll be fine. Like, I, I'll listen to your stuff. But, and then you start reading it. And it's like, wow, I had no idea. Yeah. Like, she'll talk about like a PowerPoint slide. And it's like, use big font. This is like, she had an example. It's like, this is too many, like too many words. And it's like, wow, that, that looks like a normal slide to me. And <laughs> I didn't know. And, or different ways to kind of get through, um, especially with podcasting. It's like, are you actually listening to what your guest is saying? Or are you just reading the script? And it sounds very mumble jumble. Um, she's been super helpful, um, with her both on Twitter and she's on the, the, the strength coach podcast. Um, all of her information has been super helpful. And that, that is a point when you are coaching, if you get to that level, okay, like I understand like train philosophy, I understand like interacting with, with peers and with athletes and, and clients and things like that. And now I want to like up my game. How mm-hmm. do I do that? It's like, it's not always about reading more about training, right? It can be how do I communicate better? Because 
the client or the athlete that understands your mission and goals for them at a higher level, they're going to buy in better. So you're, you're just making the system more efficient by communicating in a different way. And the hardest thing for me is every patient that I work with communicates differently. And some are similar, you know, maybe you can put them in like little groups and things like that. But when they come in, like if, if, if I don't know how they communicate, that makes it hard, but sometimes they don't know how they communicate or how they learn or how to express their thoughts and feelings. And that makes it really hard for me. It's like, you don't even know yourself. How am I supposed to know you? Do you find that at all with people that you work with? It's like, I'm trying to figure out the way they learn and communicate to help me be a better coach for them. Absolutely. And that's, and that's the art of coaching. And mm-hmm. how, that's why like learning how to communicate and deliver your message to a middle school kid, a high school kid, you know, a 65 year old, um, an 80 year old, it needs to change and you, your demos need to change and your communication skills need to be like, that's the next level of coaching. Like you said, is being able to differentiate that. And it's definitely a struggle because what, well, I mean, you know, like we have clients who don't care about strength and condition. They just want to like check the box of coming to the gym or, you know, doing a session so that's that's part of it too. Speaking of struggles, have you had a recent uh, career struggle, work-related struggle, professional-related struggle that you had to deal with in, in the recent past? And and if so, how did you process it? How did you learn from it? And how did you grow from it? A recent struggle. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm not sure. I, I, we, I haven't struggled with anything as of recent. Um, that's good. Yeah. Good. Well, you're just a perfect, you're the perfect no, coach. That's a, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, that, that's a tough question. It's hard to think on the spot. And yeah. then I'm sure later today you can be like, Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Two weeks ago, this happened. And it's like this patient, I've had a couple different patients. They came in and they were just, they were, they were seeing red. Right. And it's like, this was such a struggle of a session. Was it me? Was it mm. them? Was it something I could have done? And there's always, it's amazing. Um, I read extreme ownership by Jocko Willink and, uh, everyone's talking about this book and I'm like, okay, like it's supposed to be like the best book ever. Like so many people talk about it and you read through the book and it's like, wow, this is really cool. And then you start seeing times in your life where there's conflict and you immediately go, that was Vinny's fault. That was the patient's fault. That was the owner's fault. That That's not my fault. And then it's like, whoa, like what could I have done better to avoid this situation or improve it? And it's like, wow, I could have communicated better. I could have said this ahead of time. I could have set expectations. I could have brought more. Like there's always more you can bring to the table. And that really shifted for me. And I was just catching myself uh, pointing fingers, really, like blaming other people. It's like, oh, like. I'm late, but it's because traffic and this person called me and they delayed me and like my water wasn't hot. It's like, no, like you were late because you didn't make it a priority to be on time. And I think reading stuff like that really challenges you because it gets you outside your comfort zone. You start to realize, hey, like I need to be more accountable. I need to bring more to the table than I even thought possible. And that puts you in this whole another level, kind of like we've talked about, whether it's communicating with nutrition, with sticking with workout plans. How can I as a coach be even better? And I think the best coaches do that. 
Yeah, no, that's one of my one of my favorite books is Extreme Ownership. It's you know, mm-hmm. it's it's less about pointing the finger and more about pointing the thumb and you know, back at yourself. You you mentioned that you've you've worked with other coaches kind of like underneath you. How have you handled when they make a mistake or they don't do something up to standard? How do you handle that where you're not um, pointing a finger at them, mm. but also you, you're you working to change their behaviors and their attitudes and whatever happened up to a level that you expect? Like, how do you balance that? Yeah, I mean, this was something that I struggled with, uh, actually. Mm-hmm. So maybe this is it. But um, it was, you know, stop trying to, to blame them or, or, or reprimand them or anything like that. And now it's taken a different approach because you don't want them to get defensive. It's, you know, what, how do you think that session went and to get them to answer and, Mm. you know, see what they saw and then say, okay, well, here's some things that I saw and tell me if you would agree or disagree with it. Maybe, you know, technique wasn't as good as we wanted it with our athletes. They weren't vocal enough or, whatever the, whatever it is, getting them to see it and reflect on it. Um, I think tends to help them because they're, they're teachable moments and we want them to constantly reflect and get better. Um, and that's part of the process of coaching. And I don't, and I tell them like, I don't expect you to be perfect, but I want you to start seeing these things, you know? I think it's a lot easier to, like if you told me, "Hey Tom, like you talk too much during the podcast, like you need to do better," I'm not. I'm not going to like that, right? right? But if you ask me, Tom, how do you think podcasts went? And I reflected, I was like, you know what? I did kind of talk more than I usually do. Uh, maybe I could work on that. And just that, that self. And I don't know what part of the brain that is uh, processed in or realized in, but I think we take that information a lot better when we hear from ourselves rather than from a peer or a coach or a mentor or a leader. Uh, that kind of self-reflection seems to be super helpful. Yeah. Cause it's collaborative versus, you know, uh, trying to tell people what to do. No one likes to be told what to do, but if they feel like you're on the same page and you're, you're working together, they're willing to, to bend over backwards for you and, and do what it needs to take to get done. What is one thing you are looking most forward to in the coming months, whether on a personal or professional level, What's one thing you're excited for out in the future? Well, I just got back from my honeymoon, so I was really looking forward nice. to that. Um, Good. But what was the high of that? What was the best part? Oh, so we went to uh, Tahiti and Bora Bora. We were we did an ATV ride, a three hour ATV ride around the entire um, island, oh which was yeah, the videos, the the scene, the sights. It was it was incredible. Uh, after that, we went to uh, we were staying on one of those tiki huts on the water which was oh those are yeah. those look so cool i've never experienced that yeah. but those look like the the, the dream floor vacation. the floor was like a fish tank it was like it was wild and something something that you know you only do once in a lifetime it's hard to come back and like <laughs> absolutely oh, monday morning yeah. like let's get excited about driving to get gas and go to work <laughs> and i gotta read this book it's like it's different. Like it's a different, it's more of like a fulfillment thing, but it's hard when you come back from a vacation to have the same energy and the same, uh, whether you want to call it happiness or whatever feeling it was. It's like, okay, I got to replicate that in mm-hmm. other areas of my life because I, I should, you know, be that way. And it's, 
it's a lot easier when you're sitting on the beach and and and, and enjoying yourself and, and not having to to go to work every day. But it seems like you're someone who really enjoys what you do, that you've worked really hard to get to where you're, you've, mm-hmm. you've been at. Mm-hmm. And I, I appreciate coaches like you because you make all of us better. Thank you, Vinny, for taking time to be on the podcast. I, I appreciate your insights, uh, your wisdom. Keep doing a great job at MBSC. And I, I look forward to touching base in the future. Thanks so much for having me, Tom. And, and I really appreciate everything that you put out on social media. And I, I you know, you're a great follow on Twitter, on Instagram. So thanks for having me.